Hello, hello everyone. This is Dr. Eeks, and it's another episode of Causes or Cures. Thanks so much for joining in. It's been a while, guys. I've been busy, but I'm going to try to start doing these podcasts more regularly, so stay tuned. So today we're going to talk about why Big Pharma has our privileged selves during this pandemic. Uh, I'm going to lay out the case for that. You know, they develop these vaccines, but who is getting the vaccines and do they really want to end the pandemic? That's the question that we're going to ask. And I apologize if you guys hear any traffic sounds in the background. It's early morning here in New York City. I'm doing this podcast before my morning run. Uh, but it's important that, that I do it. Um, and I like sharing with you guys. But first, let's just start with some updates, some pandemic updates, okay? All right, guys. So first, Dr. Fauci got in trouble for canceling Christmas. I guess herd immunity needs to be at, I don't know, like 140%. Remember when it only needed to be at 70 to 85%? Those were the days. Anyhow, after receiving some serious backlash, he walked back his Christmas comments. I tell you, I've never seen people so adamant about spending an uncomfortable amount of time with their extended families as they are after Fauci cancels a holiday. All of a sudden, they're dying to spend time with their in-laws. It's amazing. As someone who hates holiday celebrations, small talk, and gift exchanges, ugh, I was more than fine with him canceling Christmas. I shot out a family text saying, hey guys, Fauci canceled Christmas again. It's too bad, but we all need to do our part. Then I looked up cheap flights to the Virgin Islands. <laughs> all right, you guys have heard all of the media coverage on ivermectin. You know, CNN blatantly lied about Joe Rogan taking horse dewormer when he was prescribed ivermectin by a, by a physician. But a pandemic miracle happened recently. A mainstream media source, Newsweek, actually wrote honestly about the drug ivermectin. They didn't just call it a horse dewormer and useless and actually mentioned some of the ongoing randomized controlled trials studying its use as early treatment for COVID-19. One of those studies is sponsored by the NIH people, and this might blow your mind, but it includes human subjects, not horses. A few weeks ago, the MSM ran with a fake story about there being so many ivermectin horse dewormer overdoses at a hospital in Oklahoma that gunshot victims couldn't be seen in the emergency room. First off, guys, if you live in a town where everyone is either overdosing on horse dewormer or being shot, you should move. You should move right away. There is something wrong with that town. Secondly, the entire mainstream media and the blue checkmark army orgasmed over this story, man. But when it was proven false, almost none of them owned the fact that they spread misinformation. None of them got warned by the Twitter or Facebook overlords. So I guess it's only misinformation when they feel like it's misinformation. Either way, I talked to Dr. Pierre Corey, one of the founders of the FLCCC, I think there's only three C's, 
and he's a big proponent of ivermectin. But I talked to him about the media's viral lie. It was posted on the Trial Site News YouTube channel, and, and while it was a great interview, I was impartial, really. YouTube took it down because they apparently don't like me calling out the mainstream media. I don't know. YouTube can do whatever YouTube wants. So the video found a new home on the trialsitenews.com website. I hope you guys check it out. Subscribe. I also write op-eds, op-eds there. <laughs> By the way, that's my second video interview to be removed. The first was an interview I did with Dr. Robert Malone. They took that down for a minute, thought about something or something, I don't know. Then they put it back up. And now it's almost near 1 million views. And thank you guys if you subscribe to Causes or Cures or the Trial Site News Podcast. I really appreciate you. Just a short diversion here. If you hear traffic sounds in the background, I'm sorry. New York City is loud and there is nothing I can do about it. Moving on. Merck announced that its new COVID-19 antiviral drug, Molnupiravir, is a game changer. The clinical trials showed that it cut deaths in half. You know something? I hope it does. But I'm skeptical. I read where one of the Merck scientists described how the drug was named after Thor, the thunder god's hammer, because the drug pounded all of the COVID-19 variants, thereby rendering them useless. In Norse mythology, the sound of thunder is said to be Thor hitting his enemies with his hammer. Maybe I'm a Debbie Downer, but there's something about COVID-19 drugs and mythology that just doesn't work for me. Like, can we stick to your study design safety profile and any long-term effects and leave thunder gods and their hammers out of it? Is that a big ask? (laughs) All right, now I'd like to jump into the meat of this podcast, which is why Big Pharma has us all fooled and why the vaccine makers are actually prolonging the pandemic. And this is going off of the assumption that the vaccines are helpful, that they're a good tool in fighting this pandemic. I know some of you have concerns about side effects and that sort of thing. I hear you, but this is going to focus on who's getting the vaccines and who isn't. I live in a wealthy country that is fighting over COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Good old USA. There is tremendous division around this issue, which only grew worse when the administration announced that vaccines would be mandated for all federal workers federal contractors, and businesses with more than 100 employees. The sweeping mandates even include remote contractors, whose only co-worker might be a dog named Barnaby, a frog, a hamster, a houseplant. Workers who refuse to comply will be fired. In the last couple of weeks, we have heard stories of people leaving their jobs because of the mandates, including qualified healthcare workers. This has led to fear of staff shortages, an ongoing issue made worse by the pandemic, and many have questioned the judgment of letting qualified healthcare workers go when cases could spike again, right? We don't know. We don't know. Imagine HR having to make that phone call. Hey, Jan, sorry we kicked you to the curb. We, we met what we said at the beginning of the pandemic. 
that you're all heroes, please come back, Jan, you hero. Hero, please. Good luck with that. Bus drivers quit or were fired because of vaccine mandates, leaving thousands of kids without rides to school. The Chicago School District started paying parents to find their kids' own way to school while promising to look into Uber or Lyft rides as an alternative. For starters, making it more difficult for kids to get to school is probably the least public health thing one can do. Many kids rely on schools for education, friends, and meals. Also, and this is the real kicker here, Uber isn't making their drivers get vaccinated. So what version of logic is one using when one fires bus drivers for being unvaccinated and replaces them with Uber drivers who are not required to be vaccinated? Is there evidence for unvaccinated Uber drivers being unable to transmit to school kids? That's some kind of magic. Some employers, like Louisiana's largest healthcare system, are not only making their employees get vaccinated, but adding a surcharge if spouses remain unvaccinated. Fortunately, they didn't add a surcharge for spouses with obesity, the biggest modifiable risk factor for severe COVID disease, hospitalizations, and death. But could you imagine if they did? Man, there would be a lot of punched faces at office parties. What did you say, man? What'd you say? What'd you call my wife? And that explosion you just heard? That was the PC police losing their heads. We aren't just fighting over vaccine mandates for adults. We are also tearing each other's hair out over kid mandates. Just recently, the governor of California tweeted that vaccines will be mandated for kids in California when the FDA approves it. It was a very confident tweet, very confident, considering only one vaccine is authorized for emergency use in kids over 12, and Pfizer just submitted an emergency use application for use of the vaccine in kids between 5 and 11. It reminded me of when another politician, the president, told Americans in August that boosters would be available for everyone at the end of September. He did that before the FDA reviewed the evidence. I don't know, but in a world where drug companies are the most powerful lobbyists in D.C. and have enormous control over our government, perhaps it's more prudent if politicians hold off on announcing mandates before the FDA does its job. People already don't trust the FDA, CDC, basically any health organization with a three-letter acronym. They believe these organizations have been captured by Big Pharma. So maybe don't do stuff such as announce mandates in low-risk groups before regulators look at the data. That will only increase their level of distrust. Then again, sometimes the FDA approves a drug even when their statisticians, statisticians, an external advisory committee, says the evidence doesn't justify approval, as was the case with Biogen's drug for Alzheimer's. At the end of the day, science should inform policy. Politics should only inform science if the politicians and government agencies have been captured by companies whose number one interest is making science as profitable as possible. 
Sorry, there was something in my throat there. In America and other rich spots across the globe, we're also fighting over vaccine passports. In New York City, people can't enter a bar, restaurant, gym, or theater unless they show the guy or gal at the door their vaccine card. The most intriguing thing about New York City's vaccine passport policy is that it only requires one dose of a vaccine, and it doesn't matter when a person got it. For instance, people could wake up one day, head to CVS for their first shot of an mRNA vaccine, and then that same night, head to the bar. Since they have one dose and it's documented on an official piece of paper, they'd have no problem getting inside the bar. In addition, no one is enforcing any sort of mask rule, even though we know that partially and fully vaccinated people can still transmit the Delta variant if they get infected. Once in the bar, they can drink their faces off, make out with the bartender, make out with whoever, puke on their way to the bathroom, even sleep on the floor if they want. Our fearless city leaders have made it clear that vaccine passports are about protecting people. But there's a glaring catch-22. The CDC has made it clear that someone isn't considered fully vaccinated until two weeks after the second dose of an mRNA vaccine, or two weeks after one dose of the J&J vaccine. One could actually create a super-spreader event with how they are currently enforcing the vaccine passport policy in New York City, especially if people let their guard down, let their hair down, let their masks down, and party like it's pre-COVID times. There is also a problem with fake vaccine cards, which I've come to learn are pretty easy to get. While they are illegal, my feeling is that there are a lot of them out there. But is that really shocking? I mean, the printing press was invented in the 1400s. The art of forgery has come a long way, baby. And a lot of people don't want to get vaccinated. The, the most amusing thing I've seen is people purchasing fake vaccine cards from someone who can't spell. The forger spelled Moderna as Maderna. And as a result, people are getting caught and possibly facing jail time. I mean, we all hate them, but where are those annoying spelling Nazis when you need them? So we're fighting over mandates, vaccine passports, but the epitome of our privilege is the fight over boosters. Yeah, we're arguing over who should get boosters and who shouldn't. While experts agree that the over 65 crowd should get boosters because of waning vaccine-induced immunity, the vaccine's reduced effectiveness against Delta and their high-risk age group, there's an argument over who in the younger age groups should get them. At the end of the day, the CDC and FDA basically said that younger people with underlying health conditions or jobs that put them at increased risk may get a booster, at least a Pfizer booster. I love that word, may. <laughs> it's very different from should, you know? May leaves it up to the people. So in many cases, someone is mandated to get the vaccine, but may get a booster. May also gives our regulators some wiggle room if something turns out to be unsafe with the boosters. I said may, not should. It's your fault, Jim, not ours. But seriously, while I applaud our regulators for at least valuing personal choice when it comes to boosters, 
How is the average person supposed to know what to do? I was talking to Gary, a fully vaccinated young guy who works as a bartender, so someone exposed to lots of saliva, sweat, breakup tears, and Irish blood, and he wasn't sure if he was going to get a booster. He had concerns about its safety. He asked me what the regulator said to do, and I said, They said you may get it, Gary. And the usual, please. Now, Gary's a guy who is always hammered and barely washes his socks, but we're going to let him decide if the booster shot is safe for him. <laughs> okay, then. Despite the confusion from the top, a lot of people across America are getting boosters. I saw a report that the pace of booster shots is outpacing people getting their first or second dose. I wonder who is going to be afraid of who in that situation, right? Now, the unvaccinated are always chill, but how many boosters will it take for the vaccinated to stop being terrified of the unvaccinated? And will the boosted be afraid of the unboosted? Dun 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 dun. The thing that kills me the most about our fight over boosters is that less than 1% of people in low-income countries are vaccinated. That means their highest-risk populations, old people and people with obesity, aren't vaccinated for COVID-19. They don't even have access to the vaccines. They don't have the vaccines. Meanwhile, Americans are busy defending their position with memes on Instagram and Twitter. We're busy labeling each other as anti-vaxxer or corporate shill because there's nothing in between. We're fighting over vaccine passports that don't make scientific sense and arguing over whether kids at a private school should wear masks, get vaccinated, and put protective covers on their trumpets and flutes during their private music lessons. We're behaving like rabid hyenas but do you know what we're not doing? We're not calling out Big Pharma. Big Pharma loves that we are fighting with each other, man, because it is distracting us from the bigger picture. It's causing us to lose sight of the forest for the trees. Come on, people. COVID-19 is a global virus. If it gets inside someone in South America, India, Africa, who then decides to hop on a plane or a boat to America, COVID comes with that person. Ironically, COVID doesn't need a passport to cross oceans. It just does, and it can do it fast. If low-income or low-to-middle-income countries can't get ahead of COVID-19 and their people continue to get infected and sick, global spread will continue and variants will form. It's trendy to blame the unvaccinated in America for the vaccine's reduced effectiveness, but that's silly. Big Pharma, doctors paid by Big Pharma, and certain politicians want you to blame the redneck-eating horse pace behind his double-wide. But it's not his fault. Liberals won't like this. But he didn't create the Delta variant. Delta came from India. Mu, Lambda, they came from South America. My point is that rich countries can't really get ahead of COVID-19 unless they help poor countries get ahead of it. And while we should want to help them because it's the right thing to do, lots of people don't think that way. Lots of people are narcissistic a-holes and only care about themselves. So that's why you must show them how helping poor countries helps them. But what is Big Pharma's role in all of this? Why should we take a break from bashing each other 
and start calling out the vaccine makers because they are putting profit before people like they always do. (laughs) And as a result, we'll prolong the pandemic. As I said before, less than 1% of people in poor nations are vaccinated. Less than 10% of people are vaccinated in low to middle income countries. According to a report by Amnesty International, companies have sent less than 0.3% of their total vaccine supply to poor countries. Pfizer and BioNTech are predicted to bring in $86 billion in revenue from COVID vaccines, and Moderna is predicted to bring in $47 billion. Moderna, that company that was funded by taxpayer money completely. Pfizer and BioNTech are predicted to bring in $26 billion from boosters alone in the next year, while Moderna will likely bring in $14 billion. $14 billion. So small change. The World Health Organization has begged rich countries to slow down with the boosters until other countries get a chance at first doses. But the rich countries aren't listening. There has been calls for the drug companies to share their intellectual property and allow for other countries to manufacture the vaccines, but so far, they've resisted. They've resisted even though our current leaders initially said they support intellectual property waivers. But does it even matter what our elected officials say? For 2021, drug companies already spent $171 million on lobbying in D.C., They spent $309 million in 2020. So it's not like they don't control our government like a puppet. Speaking of lobbyists, one of the largest drug company lobbying firms, Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers, posted results of a survey conducted that concluded that most Americans were against the intellectual property waiver. The trick here, guys, is to look at the questions they asked. For example, they asked Americans if poor countries should be allowed to manufacture vaccines if the vaccines would be less safe and of poorer quality. Of course, Americans answered no to those questions. They're not morons. It's like asking people if they'd support a new pizza shop coming to town, if there was a chance that a few slices of pizza would have cyanide in it. (laughs) The survey might have looked very differently, If the survey asked different questions, like, would you support vaccines being made in other countries if you knew that it would help vaccinate the most vulnerable people in the world? Or would you support poor countries making vaccines if it would help end the pandemic for all of us? Methods, my dears, methods. The methods section is the most important part of any survey or any study It is not the conclusion. Now, one might laugh over Big Pharma's sudden and great concern over safety and quality issues when it comes to offshore drug manufacturers. 75 to 80% of the active pharmaceutical ingredients in FDA-approved drugs are sourced in 150 countries. That's right. Just like our clothes, socks, phones, gadgets, okay, everything, are made in some other country Our drugs are too. Do the drug companies expect us to believe that the FDA can monitor all those manufacturers in all those countries? You might remember that there's been some big recalls over drugs made in China and India that were contaminated with cancer-causing agents, NDMA and NDEA. 
Valsartan, Herbisartan, the Sartans, two popular FDA-approved blood pressure medications were recalled in 2018. Zantec and another medication for heartburn recalled in 2019. And several companies had to recall metformin, a popular drug for type 2 diabetes, in 2020. With all these recalls and issues with quality control, why do drug companies prefer offshore manufacturing? It's to save money. It's cheap. So this idea that they all of a sudden have grave concerns over quality control when it comes to other countries making vaccines is as bogus as their claim that lowering drug prices will hurt innovation. When we know all about their patent thickets, and how much they spend on lobbying and marketing. Also, India is already a dynamite vaccine maker. Yeah, its Serum Institute is the largest vaccine producer by volume, and India provides most of the vaccines to the developing world. The notion that America and a handful of other wealthy nations are the only countries that can do science or make drugs is snobbery. It's snobbery. The notion that there are no smart people in poor countries who can figure out how to make vaccines is as ludicrous as saying that there are no dumb people in rich countries. If you're in America, look around you, you will find a dumb person pretty fast. It's again a way to distract us from pointing out that Big Pharma is interested in one thing, a big profit. Even Russia though its vaccine has not been authorized by the World Health Organization, has licensed its vaccine to 34 manufacturers in India and Brazil. That's more than the U.S. companies can say. U.S. companies and their spokesmodels are more focused on fueling our vaccine fights, so we don't notice how they are prolonging the pandemic. They are more focused on getting boosters to rich countries, so they can stick them in the arms of people who may need them. Meanwhile, nothing substantial will get to the most vulnerable and poor countries, and Big Pharma will laugh all the way to the bank, just like they always do. Big Pharma has us. Ha! It has us good. It has our privileged selves between its teeth, And I'm not sure if we're aware enough or wise enough to figure out how to break free. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you got something out of that. Stay tuned for some more pandemic-related podcasts by yours truly. I hope you share this, subscribe, let me know what you thought of it. Sorry for the traffic noises once again. There's not going to be much editing here because I don't have the time. I have to go for my morning run right now because if I don't run, I will be an absolute biatch to everyone around me. Running is my therapy. Running is my Prozac. (laughs) Um, And it's good to run anyways. Yeah. Running keeps you young. Till next time, guys. Stay healthy. Be kind. Reach out and say hi to someone who you haven't talked to in a while. And, you know, it is true that this pandemic has taken a lot of people and I don't know, I'm a fatalist, so I've always thought about the shortness of human life. But if you haven't, take some time to reach out and tell someone that you love that you love them because you may not get the chance again.
Talk to you soon.